0: I kind of want to set up the next four weeks that we're going to be uh, here together. We're starting a series this morning called Belonging. And uh, today is going to be a really fun day for those of you who didn't get the announcement. uh, We actually are having a fall family feast after service. So... uh, we want to encourage you, everybody, we've got free food, we've got uh, King's Barbecue that is catered, and so we got rib tips and chicken and sides, and wonderful things. So just, you know, if that's all you need, just to hold on and just to tarry a little bit longer, uh, we, we, we want to invite you. Now, unfortunately, I might have just lost you because now all you're going to be thinking about is barbecue uh, for the next uh, few minutes. But, you know... We wanted to have this moment of fellowship just to remind us of what it is that we're called to and and that we really are, as we come off of last week, we are a family. We're called to be a family. And every one of us in here, regardless of whether you fully understand it or, or have been able to identify it, every one of us walk, live are born with a deep, ingrained, innate sense of belonging, or needing to belong. It is one of the most essential things for every human being is to have a place where we feel like we can love and be loved. And what I want us to help us to understand is it comes from God. And in various ways, many times we search for it in different ways and it can be destructive at times affecting negatively our relationships affecting negatively the way we see God a way the way we view others the way that we allow ourselves to be consumed by other things and groups and be defined in different ways but if we truly are able to receive the revelation of what God means about it it will completely revolutionize our lives and so this morning I just want to start by reading in Genesis. In Genesis 1, gonna read a couple of verses here, and I wanna pray, and we're jumping right in, into this. But I want to pray that God will truly help us to allow Him to define and place us in our core ultimate place of belonging. We're gonna read Genesis 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your presentness. Lord, I thank you that you are drawing us to yourself that we were in your heart from the beginning, that our lives are not, even our religious, our spiritual lives are not a life of just trying to convince you to let us in the door, convince you that we're good enough, maybe somehow possibly get your attention. Lord, I thank you that we were on your mind long before you were on ours. So God, help us this morning to hear you, to receive you, to receive all that you have. Help me to preach this word, in the time that we have, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Kyle. As I said before, each and every one of us have a deep-seated need and, and sense of belonging. And we have this, if you would say, a longing to belong. There have been kind of the Uh, main or basic needs, five basic human needs that have been talked about in terms of, you know, they say the five basic human needs are clean air and food, water, uh, shelter, and sleep, are the five basic kind of survival needs. What is a human need to survive? But then from a psychological standpoint, they've also extended that and and kind of consolidated that one and and identified five kind of basic human needs. One is survival, which kind of summarizes those. And then you have belonging power, freedom, and control. But the most core, most essential, most deeply ingrained sense or need for every human is that of belonging. And oftentimes, humans will compromise and neglect the other needs in order to have this specific need of belonging fulfilled. I mean, the reality is we do things and we've done things throughout our lives and many times just crazy or stupid things to have some kind of sense of belonging. I mean, even just from the basic dynamic of peer pressure that we experience from very early ages, that it's us doing something that maybe we wouldn't normally do, maybe we don't even know, maybe we know we shouldn't do, but we're doing it because this is what you do. This is what you do. I remember even, you know, I grew up, and, and a big family, we grew up homeschooled, and, and I remember my, my first, you know, when you're homeschooled, it's like, it's just your people, it's just, you're just around, you're not trying to impress anybody, you know, I mean, our thing, I mean, our parents, they wouldn't let us come to the class, like, with our PJs on, like, they wanted us to actually, because, you know, we would complain, I don't know if, if you're a homeschooler, or you were homeschooled, like, you would have, kind of, like, this vision of what real school looked like, or normal school looked like, and as you, if you're the kid, you would kind of picture this as, like, some fairy tale land, you know, where there's just all these people, and they all like you, and they all think you're amazing, and it's just fun, and you get to go to the cafeteria, which is this magical menu of beautiful foods and desserts, and you have teachers that float on clouds, and they have the magical ways to help you learn everything, and your parents really want you to think it is a dark, dank place full of death and destruction, and every student is really a drug dealer, and you know, and you know, and it's a little combination, you know, of, of, of some of those things. But but I remember coming to school, you know, in in eighth grade, I attended a school for the first time, and and you know, I'd never we my whole family we shopped at thrift stores and we shopped to pay less, and this is how we rolled. So everybody was rocking the pay less specials, you know, and so I didn't even I was not a, I wasn't aware of clothing necessarily designating whether you belonged with the cool kids or not, and I remember going to gym class, and I just got these brand new shoes for Payless. I can't even tell you what brand they were, because uh, they probably don't exist anymore. But, you know, Payless, uh, I'm not hating on Payless. If you work at Payless, or you're affiliated with Payless, and you listen to this later, God bless you. We're so glad that you have a job. Uh, but, you know, Payless, like, if, if Adidas has three stripes, Payless is going to have four stripes, Right? <laughs> It's like if Adidas or, or if Puma kind of has a little Puma, this is gonna have like a tiger. You know, it's just like, it's kind of in the same family, you know? And so I had these shoes, and it just happened to get these shoes right around the same time that the brand new Air Max came out. Or they were getting ready to come out, and nobody knew what they looked like. So I go to gym class, and, you know, there was this kind of group, kind of cool kids in the area, you know, and they were like, oh, are those the new Air Max? I ain't never seen them yet. And because I just wanted to belong, I was like, maybe. <laughs> I mean, and I just kind of rode with it for a minute. I knew they weren't because I knew where they came from. But I just kind of rode with it because I had this sense, man, I mean, they they, they like me or they, at least they like my shoes or they think they like my shoes because they haven't been deceived yet. And I would do these things to belong. You find different ways to fit in. I remember, you know, even... Uh, you know, having this clash and this interaction in high school where, you know, we were so saved, like my clothes were saved. And we had like all of like, if it was Tommy Hilfiger, I was rocking Tommy Hellfighter. You know, you get them, you get these like t-shirts and hats at the Christian conferences at Acquire the Fire, you know, when you go see Toby Mac or Newsboys, who you can still see in concert. It's amazing how that's worked out. Um, (laughs) But, you know, and if it was like a boss sweater, somebody was rocking that new boss joint, you know, I had Jesus is my boss, you know. You know, they had the west side and the east side and the south side, and I had God's side, you know, because I was always around Christians. That was the group that I was trying to belong to. That was the group that I was around, was homeschooled Christians who prayed in tongues and did charismatic things. So I had my own flag, and we did all kinds of charismatic fun stuff. I know some people, you just got scared. It's okay. It's all right. God bless you. There will be flags in heaven. I'm just saying. Just, Just get ready for it. I've had to be okay with that. But all that I'm saying is I went to school, and I remember all of a sudden realizing this isn't cool. And people would be, you know, I, I was in a, there was a, a fight that was breaking out on the bus one day, and I was rocking my WWJD bracelet. And, and uh, you know, I was, I'm was i a big brother by heart. I'm the oldest of seven. and I see this fight, and I have the Spirit of God, or at least what I thought was the Spirit of God that came upon me. And I walk up, and I say, hey, guys, stop! What would Jesus do? (laughs) Now in my mind what I expected to happen is the crowd was going to separate and a shaft of light was going to come upon me and the bus driver was going to pull over and say, listen to this man because truly he is of the Son of God. (laughs) There was going to be an altar call on that bus. Everybody was going to get saved and my ministry was going to begin there. What happened in reality is the dude that was pummeling this other dude. He did pause, but he just paused to look at me and be go, "What? What would Mother Jesus do?" And I was like, "Oh, th- that's not what was in my mind." Th- that- th- no, the shaft was. Th- it didn't play out that way. And for the, in a very derogatory way, for the rest of the school year, I was referred to as Jesus. They wouldn't even call my name. They'd be like, "Hey, Jesus, what you doing now?" And. And I realized that in order to belong to this group, now there was a different set of things and different set of rules and, and things I had to let go of and things that honestly I began to compromise. And we do it all the time. You know, some of it is to lesser extents. You know, when you think of can't camp, the campus coming, college students coming, I think of rush and just the stupid things people do to rush fraternities and sororities. Some of you have experienced this and you know, uh, I, I think of even just fandom. Like, you know, uh, if I, I'm kind of fascinated. Some of you know, I'm like a a little bit of a comic book nerd, and and one of my like things, one of my uh, things I'd love to do one day, bucket list things, go to San Diego Comic Con. Not so much because like I really care about comic books. I just like watching people that like dress up and like are so amazed, like by that engagement and people do crazy things. They dress up like all kinds of characters. You think of sports teams and football season starting to come come up and I graduated from Florida State and I grew up here so I'm a big Colts fan and fans dress up and do all kinds of crazy things to their bodies to belong and to have this sense of belonging and identity within a group, within a tribe. And the good news is, is that it's actually not a bad thing. It's not a bad desire that we would have this sense of belonging it actually comes from God. I want us to understand this because if we want to know where it is that we ought to be going and what God has planned for us, we want to know where it started. And so the first thing I want you to understand is that we were created belonging. We were created belonging. In Genesis 1, when when you think of this picture is that God created men and women not just to exist not just to have as a fun pet project like a like an ant farm in his home no he created you out of community it was a desire of father son holy spirit the triune god to create us to be in fellowship to look i I love the scripture it says let us create man in our image He says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. You were created to look like your daddy. You know, if you see my kids, not necessarily their hair, but their faces, you can tell that we're related. They look like me. They look like Kelly. They were were created for fellowship, for relationship, to never, ever wonder whose they were. See, God fashioned Adam and and Eve, and and, and I often just wonder, you know, when I think especially of the joy of each phase of growth with our children, you know, we we could talk about, you know, short day creation, long day creation, a thousand days are like a year, year years like a thousand days to the Lord, you know, but I often think like in every phase of him fashioning, and building Adam and Eve, if he just took moments, if it was all like all of a sudden they're grown or if he had those moments where he saw just every life phase and age of his creation and just enjoyed and drank in who they were and, and the personality that they had and the way that they look like him and the fact that these little mini hymns, the many, these little mini creations, these people fashioned in the image of God would fill the earth and all the great things that they would do and here Adam and Eve knew nothing but the pure and unashamed love and affection and acceptance of the Father they never wondered whose they were they never wondered if they were loved it says that even when Adam and Eve came together, it wasn't just relationship and connection with God. It was with each other that from the rib of Adam, God created Eve. And Adam looked upon her and recognized that you, you were bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We are one. It says that they were naked and unashamed. What does that mean? They were completely vulnerable. They were completely open. There was no need to hide, there was no fear of rejection. Well maybe if you see this part of me, you won't like me so I'm gonna cover this up and I'm only gonna show you the parts that I think are favorable, look good on Instagram. No, 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 it was completely free, completely free. That's the kind of life that God desires us to experience. That we would experience his love and his affection, communion with him communion in his family, the church is to be the family of God. It's not just to be a place where we attend. It's going to be, it's a a place where we belong where we're able to be honest and open and transparent and be shaped by God. But here's the problem, is that we were created belonging, but we were born rejected. All of us, all of us were born into this earth out of a sin nature. Rejected, not because of God, but because of sin. When you continue in Genesis, Genesis 3, I'm going to go ahead and turn there. You can turn in your Bibles to Genesis 3. We see how this played out where Satan coming in the form of a serpent deceived Adam and Eve and enticed them and drew upon them and and began to deteriorate their trust in this perfectly loving God. And they took the bait. They rejected God. They chose a lie instead of the truth. And sin immediately comes into play. Immediately they became marked, not by freedom, not by belonging, not by wholeness and love, but for the first time, rejection comes into play. And they don't feel like they belong anymore. It says... In verse seven, then the eyes of both were open after they had eaten of the fruit. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And this is what's just so sad to me in verse eight. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord God among the trees. And in verse nine it says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Why? Every every time he had heard the sound of the Father, before that moment, was filled with love and acceptance, and joy, and excitement. I think of when, I, when my kids hear the door from our garage into our house open, and they hear my keys on my key ring jingle, all of a sudden I'll hear, Daddy's home! Daddy's home! Ella and her sweet little curly head floppy self will come running. You know, Johnny, if you know Johnny, Rocket Ball Johnny will come running, and i got to kind of protect myself because his head is just in a very awkward place right now. And I'll get a headbutt. But my kids are excited. They're excited to see me. Now, sometimes it's a little bit different if they know daddy's coming and he's gonna give them a spanking. And then I'm like, where are they? (laughs) You know, but they had never experienced this before. They'd only experienced joy. They'd only experienced longing and and acceptance. And, And I wonder if they'd ever had these moments of playing together. Or engaging together where now for the first time, you know, God was never like actually wondering where Adam was. Like he knew. It's like when you're playing hide and seek with a kid and they think that they're really hiding and you can, they're hiding behind a curtain, you can see their feet sticking out. You know, or even funnier, like sometimes kids think if, you can't, if I can't see you, then you can't see me. So they'll hide and play in sight and they're just covering their eyes. you are like, you can't see me, I'm invisible. But I wonder just that. Feeling and that grief and that sadness that God felt when He knew because sin had entered. Maybe even standing right near a bush or a place where Adam was hiding and hearing Adam say, I was afraid, Dad. I was afraid. I don't feel good, Dad something's not right, and it wasn't. Because from that moment, our our inheritance, our birthright of fellowship and communion, untainted by sin and rejection, had been surrendered to the enemy. See, a lot of people, and, and, and many of you even have experienced at times, Sometimes why you have avoided coming to church or avoided church people with the narrative that the enemy tells you is that you know they just judge the church is mean and they're just judgmental and I just feel rejected. You don't feel rejected because God has rejected you. You feel rejected because he's rejected sin. And sin cannot live with God. You see he's holy. And so the problem we find ourselves in is that it's our sin that separates us the word of god says in uh in isaiah 59 2 it says but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your god and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you god cannot have any place With sin, and now sin has been infused with every human. Every person that was born was born into a sin nature and born separated from God, and yet we still have this longing and we still have this sense of desire that we were meant to be with Him, we were meant to be in holistic community, and yet we walk. Rejected, We walk rejected, and as a result of that, we try every way possible to find connections, whether they be counterfeit, whether they be real connections that are just temporary and that they don't satisfy everything. You see, in the Old Testament, what was immediately instituted was this temporary solution because the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life, but this wage means the price of sin is death. And so there was a sacrificial system put into place that for the forgiveness of sin, temporarily people would sacrifice animals. And so when you would come to the worship service and to to deal with that sin, to deal with the iniquities of your family and of your bloodline, you would come and sacrifice animals. It was like a butcher shop. Like leading worship was a very different situation back then. You had to have a way with a knife and not be a queasy. It was real. However, it was only temporary. Because the problem and the issue is, is that God is holy. He's perfect. He perfectly loves. He's perfectly uh, all-knowing and all-powerful. There's no flaw in Him. And one of the things that was required is that there be a perfect sacrifice. An unblemished sacrifice. And the reality is, we aren't perfect. Any perfect people in here? That's what I thought. If there were, we'd need to pray for you or follow you. Whatever. You know, I don't know, follow you to destruction. Because none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect in practice. I'm not perfect even in, 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 in my advancement in trying to pursue God. None of us are. However, the good news is that though, because of sin, we were separated from God, rejected, disconnected from our true identity and our calling. And even the worst news is that be, the only answer was to be perfect, or to be made perfect, and we're not. That God's perfect solution was that Jesus, all God, fully man, And this hypostatic union would come as the perfect sacrifice. That he would take upon all of the rejection, all of the sin, all of the shame. that because Jesus was rejected, we are accepted once again in Christ. That there was an eternal sacrifice. That Jesus, who lived the perfect life, lived the life that we should have lived, And took upon the full weight of our sin died he was the perfect sacrifice so that in him as we repent as we receive him as Lord and Savior as we acknowledge that we have sinned that we've missed the mark that we could never solve it that we could never close the gap in Jesus we are now perfected Hebrews 9 says 5.9 says, And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Romans 5.18, I just love how it says this. It says, Romans 5.18, I don't actually want to read this from my Bible. It says, Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men, he's speaking to Adam, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification of life for all men. Even as the sin of Adam allowed all of humanity to be tarnished and tainted by sin, that because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, we can all walk in the acceptance that we were designed for. We were created belonging, and because of sin, we were born into rejection. But thank God that in Christ, we are born again, accepted. That we are born again into the family that we were destined to be in. See, God wants you to experience this kind of family. He wants you to experience his love and his affection and the, the fullness of relationship with him. Not just him, but from the beginning it was a desire that we would not just belong to him and we weren't just a part of this connection with him, but with each other. Yes. You see, it's amazing that when sin entered the earth, it wasn't just now that they, he didn't, they didn't feel like they belonged to God, they didn't feel like they belonged to each other. Just a couple verses before, Adam is like, woo! Eve! We belong together. <laughs> you are flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And now all of a sudden, they take the fruit, send it into the world, and he's like, hey, this woman, it's her fault. She gave me the fruit. I don't even like fruit. <laughs> Disconnection. See, God wants you to experience not only relationship and belonging with Him, but with each other. And when we truly belong in him, when we're able to walk and, and receive the good news, receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and now come under him, being perfected in him, and actually now we get defined by the one who actually created us. Now these lesser things that we've run to to find a sense of belonging, they lose their power. We can actually walk as we were, we were created to Over the next three weeks We want to unpack this in a greater way I want to talk about what does it mean to belong in Christ And our identity in Christ And the inheritance that comes from that We understand we belong We understand that we are sons and daughters See, many people, they gave their life to Jesus And maybe your eternal soul is, is secure But in the here and now, you're living as an orphan God doesn't want you to live as an orphan. He wants you to walk in the full benefits of sonship and daughtership. Some of you, maybe you're walking in relationship with God, but you have, because of hurt and bitterness and, 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 and unrepentance and issues, you're not walking in fellowship with each other. And even if you, kind of, you just kind of float from church service to church service and you have kind of an imitation of community, but you're, far, you're just completely missing out on the full benefit and joy and life and transformation that comes from being a part and belonging to the people of God. God wants you to experience it. And then many of us also, we continue to live our lives we, we know in our brains that maybe we belong to God or We belong, we have a greater sense of belonging And yet we haven't fully received it Because we're still functioning out of the slavery And out of the bondage of sin That's tried to get us to belong And has convinced us, I'm not sin I'm actually who you are God wants you to walk in the fullness of who you really are and So I want to encourage you, come Come these next three weeks, dig in. Come expecting to see God. Now, before we transition, before we move on to the feast, I'd be remiss to not say this to you, is that some of you are here today, and you know that you have not surrendered to Jesus. And you know that you have been living life, trying to belong, in your own way, in your own manipulation of relationships and situations. And the Holy Spirit has spoken to you today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus. You're tired of trying to be perfect and you're ready to receive the love of the perfect one. Really, it's not as complicated as we make it. God is here to meet you. He knew you were going to show up before you even showed up. And it begins by repenting, by turning from our way of doing things and turning towards God and surrendering to him. Maybe you're here and that's the decision that you need to make today. That's the decision God's calling you today. We want you to be prayed for. Kyle, go ahead and come back up, buddy. We actually have some people that want to pray with you. Uh, Sarah, if you and Carol and my dad could Go back there If you are here and you want to be prayed for You want to receive Jesus as Lord You want to come in to this family of God You want to walk in the belonging That you were created for We want to invite you to experience that today And so when we close We kind of wrap things up And transition We have people here that want to pray with you And love you and welcome you Into the family of God Is that not exciting? Is that not exciting that we have that, we have that opportunity? Now, the other thing is, I also know that there are some people here today and you have surrendered your life to God at some point, but maybe because of sin, maybe because of various things, you've kind of distanced yourself. And even though you know, I know like eternally I belong to God, but man, it's been a long time since I've been home. We want to pray with you as well. You know, in closing, I often think about the story of the prodigal son. And when we tell this story, you know, we think, okay, the prodigal son, he had inheritance, he wanted all of it, he went, he wasted it on all kinds of crazy things. He finds himself destitute, eating among the pigs. And he thinks to himself, man, if I just went back to my dad, at least even if I just got to be a slave, The slaves eat better than this. And I just think to myself, like when he started processing this, even at first, he might have thought, man, let me get out of here. I'm going back home. But I wonder if on that road, as all the pride started flooding in, just thinking, man, I don't want to face the look of those slaves, man. I don't want to face the look of my older brother what he's gonna think of me, I really screwed up. Maybe I should just go find another town, try to start over. (sighs) I just wonder what the wrestle and the struggle was as he maybe found himself at an intersection between home and the path of shame and rejection that he was walking on. And the courage it took to just turn home, the courage it took just to fight through all the lies of the enemy to keep him from actually going to the place of restoration the courage it took to overcome the pride and to humble himself to just turn to return home I just challenge you this morning come home Come on. Don't let fear, don't let shame keep you from being restored this morning. Don't let the enemy talk you out of responding to God in this moment. Don't let just the overfamiliarity of sitting through multiple altar calls and never responding because of fear of what eyes might see and what they'll think, don't let that keep you from receiving the freedom that God has for you today. It's for you. It's not just for the person next to you. God has freedom for you today. He has love for you today. Don't put it off. You belong to God. He loves you. He wants to welcome you home. He wants us to be the family that he intended us to be from the beginning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you were in pursuit of us, though we were running from you. And this morning, in whatever phase and stage that we find ourselves, that you know us, that you know our challenges, you know our fears, you know the triggers. That set us off and cause us to put up our def- defensive mechanisms and to shut ourselves down. God, I, I'm asking Holy Spirit that You would give us the grace, Lord. First of all, I'm just asking Holy Spirit that You would just shut the mouth of the accuser right now. That every lying spirit would be shut up in the name of Jesus. And Holy One, that You would speak and whisper, You're affirming your transformative love over us. That you would help us to hear your voice. I know God's calling to many of you right now. I can just sense it right now. He wants you to know not just how much he loves you, but how much he actually desires you. It's not an obligatory love. He doesn't want you to come to the family because he already invited five of your friends and he couldn't say no to you. He actually wants you. He wants you. Lord, help them to respond to you in this moment. Lord, to turn home, to to receive you, God. Lord, I'm asking that you would draw them home, Lord, that you would draw each and every one of us, Lord, into a place, Lord, even, even if we're still trying to figure things out, Lord, that you would just help us to get in the space and to follow you and to begin walking with you and journeying with you, Lord, so that we can day by day, step by step, decide, discover who we were made to be. Lord, I pray even this afternoon, Lord, as we share a meal together and as we break bread that your spirit would flood our space and our place, Lord God, our conversations, Lord, that that we would just be drawn into this family, Lord. Lord, for those of us who are here and we've been here and we've received you, Lord, I pray that you would cement it in our hearts, God. Lord, that we wouldn't just attend, but we would come all in, that we would step into the water. And we dig into all that you have for us. Lord, we love you. And we thank you that you loved us first. We honor you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church. And connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.